Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Good morning. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. We invite you to read responsibly with us as we prepare our hearts. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. have seen a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. I will lead the blind by a road they do not know, by the paths they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I will do, and I will not forsake them. The Lord said to his servants, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give us a light to the nation that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your red guard. Come, Lord Jesus, our light and our salvation. So what we've been doing over the last uh, several months is we've, we've started this time with a, a small group conversation. So I'd like for you to do that this morning. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Turn and, and get in groups of three or four. Turn and greet each other. Hi, my name is Keith or whatever. And, and then I want you to answer this question. What is your favorite Christmas song and why? Favorite Christmas song and why? Okay? You got about 90 seconds, so turn and greet each other. One of my favorites, because I just love the theology in it, is Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. And, you know, if you really think about it, it's, I, I love Hark the Herald Angels Sing because of the theology. Um, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. It's powerful stuff. There's a, a song that is new to me. I don't know how long it's, it's been out, but uh, Jenna and Heidi are going to sing it over us in a few minutes. But it's called Light of the World. Some of the lyrics are, the world waits for a miracle. A heart longs for a bit of hope. O come, O come, Emmanuel. 
He is the song for the suffering. He is Messiah. The Prince of Peace has come. He has come, Emmanuel. For all who wait, for all who hunger, for all who've prayed, for all who wonder, behold your King, behold your Messiah, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. I love, I love these lyrics because they speak to the human condition. They speak to our brokenness and, our, and our, our burden and our longing. And they speak to the truth of Christmas. And that is that, that God is here. Emmanuel, God with us. We've been talking about hope during this Advent season. So what I'd like to do this morning on this last Sunday of Advent is I want to look at two images that the prophet Isaiah gives us from, uh, that speak to the coming Messiah and, and the world that Messiah would come into and, and its relevance for us today. The first image is from Isaiah chapter 9. Speaking of the day when Messiah would come, God says, In that time there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Isaiah is talking about the human condition. We walk in darkness. Apart from God, apart from his presence, apart from his goodness, we walk in darkness. And the idea of darkness in the scriptures is that there is this... um, the shadow that just kind of hangs over life and that we, we are apart from God's care, we're apart from his direction, we're, we're apart from his love, and we lose hope when we are in darkness. And sometimes darkness chokes our hearts. I, I read a, a study a few years ago uh, that they did on Harvard students. So keep in mind, these are Harvard people. They're s- supposed to be smart, Okay. So they, they did this study, and the, they said, okay, I'm going to give you two options, and remember that with these two options, the, the cost of living is, is the same. So option A is you can, you can make $50,000 a year, and everyone else will make $25,000 a year. Option B is you can make $100,000 a year and everyone else will make $200,000 a year. Which do you think the Harvard students chose? Option A. I thought they were supposed to be smart. Because what, what that reveals is that they would rather make half as much so that everybody else so that they could feel superior to everybody else. So that everyone else would envy them because everybody else was making half of what they were making. Um, That's darkness. Now you may say, well, Keith, I don't live in that kind of darkness because I'd take the 100K. Um, (laughs) Right? But we all live in darkness. How many of you drive? Okay. How many of you have driven down 2nd Avenue in the last, what, 30 years that they've been working on the subway? I mean, 2nd Avenue is a nightmare. 
with all of the construction and double parking and stuff. So the other day, I'm driving down 2nd Avenue. I'm in the middle lane because of all the switchbacks and everything. And a cab is coming up on my right and is about to cut me off. I don't think so. (laughs) Right? So I pull up to within like six inches of the car in front of me. I'm not letting the cab in. So he has to fall back, you know, and he has to get in behind me. And so what do I do for the next 10 blocks? You know what I do because you've done it too. I watch that cab in my rearview mirror, and whenever he changed lanes, I changed lanes because he was not going to get in front of me. I didn't care what anybody else did, but that cab was not going to get in front of me. That's the darkness in my heart. I'm driving like an immature jerk, and I'm thinking, where did that come from? See, there's darkness in me. There's selfishness in me. There's greed inside of me. There's deceit inside of me. There's pride inside of me. I hate to admit this, but there are times when I compare myself to other people. And then sometimes when I hear that something has gone bad for them, it makes me feel a little bit better about myself. And then I think, Where is that coming from? There's darkness inside of me. There is darkness in our world. There is great darkness in our world. Every year when we take uh, teams to Rwanda, we go to uh, a memorial that is located in the, the part of the country that we have been trying to impact for the last 15 years. And, and it's called the, the Morambi Memorial. And I don't know if you know the history, but uh, in the genocide in 94, uh, the, the Hutus killed uh, a million Tutsis in 100 days. And, and one of the, the places where a, a most concentrated slaughter was at Morambi, where they, they lured all of these Tutsis into this, this school by telling them if they would, if they would go into this, this school, then, then the French troops would, would protect them. So all of these Tutsis went there, and there were 50,000 of them. And uh, the Hutus killed all 50,000 of them in 48 hours. That's a 1,000 murders an hour for two days straight. We don't have to go back to 1994. We can just read the paper today. We've got the, the Syrian crisis that's going on and the, the slaughter that's taking place in Aleppo. And, and it's just horrendous what we are capable of of human beings. Now, before we um, move off of that, I want us to be real honest because I struggle with this too. How many of us have read these stories and thought, I'm glad it's not me. I'm glad that's not my problem. That's their problem. That's a terrible thing that's taking place over there. Um, 
But that's not my problem. I don't want to read about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't really want to do anything about it because if I did, I already would have. I wonder how many of us have, have given to a, 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 you know, a, a effort to minister in that area. I wonder how many of us have written a letter to officials, have done anything because of this um, horrific event that's been going on. See, there's darkness in us. The Gospel of John says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That's just a part of the the human condition apart from God. Maybe your life is going pretty well, but if the truth be known, there is darkness in you. There is darkness in me. And it's called sin. And we don't like to talk about sin, but we can't deny that it's there. And the reason we can't deny that it's there is because of all the darkness that is around us. Friends, sin is the disease and all of the darkness is just the symptom of the disease. And you know you have the disease when you have the symptoms. And so all I got to do is look in the mirror. All I got to do is, is recognize the greed in my heart and my selfishness in my heart and the fact that I don't want a cabbie to cut me off. There's sin in me. There's sin in you. And sin is a big deal because it leads to isolation, it leads to guilt, it leads to loneliness. We get hurt by others and we hurt ourselves. We walk in the valley of the shadow of death and in the fear of darkness and God says, I know. God sees that. God cares and he says, I'm going to do something about that. As a parent, all of us who our parents have known the time when a child has been afraid of the dark. And so what do we do? We go in and we put our arms around our kid and we say, you don't have to be afraid. I'm here. I'm here. What we need to remember about Christmas is that God saw the human race. He saw you and me stumbling around in the dark. We're confused. We're ignorant. We're afraid. We're, we're stained by sin. But God says, I know the darkness you live in, but you don't have to be afraid because I'm here. Emmanuel. God with us. That's the good news of Christmas. God sees our world. He sees our souls. He sees our condition. So what does he do? He doesn't send a warning. He doesn't send a rebuke. He doesn't send a punishment. He doesn't send an idea. He doesn't send a religion. He sends the man who embodies all that the human race was intended to be and who um, contains all the love that God has for us. He sends a person. He sends his son. He sends Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, that's a staggering statement. 
I am the light of the world. You will never find that descriptor on any Match.com posting. You know, six foot tall, blue eyes, loves dinner and dancing, light of the world. You won't see it because no one else claims to be able to come in and shine light into all the dark places. But Isaiah says that when Messiah comes, that's exactly what he will do. And then Jesus says, I'm that guy. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Maybe you've made a decision that you're ashamed of. Maybe you've been living in secret. Maybe you've been in hiding. Maybe there are situations in your life that make you afraid. Maybe you're not sleeping very well because of the dark. And there's darkness all around us. It's out there. It's in here. And God says, I know all about your darkness, but don't be afraid. Because I am here and there is nothing that you have done and there is nothing that you will do that will make, you, make me love you any less. Some of us need to hear that today. This light is for you. You can step into the light today, no matter what you've done, no matter what darkness is in your past, you can come to God and you can just say, God, I know there's darkness in my life. I know that I have a sin problem. But I also know that you came to fix that problem. It is not me trying to get to you because you have already come to me. You are God with us. You are Emmanuel. I know that you died on the cross for my sin. I know that you were raised from the dead so that I might have life. And so, God, today, I accept your forgiveness of me. And I step into the light that you offer me. You can do that today. You can live in the light. That is God's promise. People walking in darkness find there is a light in the darkness. That is the hope of Christmas, that there is light in the darkness. And his name is Jesus, and that's the good news. And right, right there, you, you were pretty good Baptist right there. But if, if you were really good Baptist, you were, amen. So, okay, so we're not really all that Baptist. Here's the second image that Isaiah gives us about the coming of Messiah. This is in chapter 35. Isaiah says this, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy, for they will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. Think about what this looks like. They knew about deserts, and they knew about parched land. They knew what it was to live in a drought. Isaiah goes on in verses 6 and 7. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert, and the burning sand will become a pool, and the thirsty ground one day will be filled with bubbling springs. This is not just a picture of the earth, but this is a picture of the human soul. The human conditions, we are dry, we are desert, we are parched. There, we have this, this, this thirst for something. And we're not quite sure what it is. But the thirst is for God, even if we don't know it. 
The psalmist says in Psalm 42, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The psalmist says in Psalm 63, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We are thirsty people living in a desert. And in the scriptures, thirst refers to being driven and tormented and controlled by unsatisfied desires. Do you ever just think, man, there's something missing. I need something more. You ever just ache for something and you're not exactly sure what it is? See, we live in this more, more, more culture. We live in a culture that says, if I can just get that little bit more, then I'll be satisfied. But it doesn't work that way. See, what happens is when we get that little bit more, it just increases the hunger so that we want a little bit more. And we never, ever have enough. So maybe if you're a six-year-old, it's a, it's a hatchy mall. Uh, you know what a hatchy mall is? This is a hatchy mall. And if you've got, if you've got little kids, you, you, these are all the rage these days. So this is an egg that has this little furry animal inside. And in it, you know, you got to keep it warm and it has a heartbeat. And if you tap on the egg, it'll tap back. And, and, and then at some point, the, it lights up with all of these, you know, different colors. And that's when it's time to hatch. And then it comes out and, and then the child has to feed it and take care of it. And so it's supposed to teach the kids responsibility. Um, now, I don't have any kids in my house, so I... Uh, well, young kids that would want one of these. Oh, but did I mention I do have a granddaughter? Um, can we see? Yeah. You knew I could just slide that in. I'm going to be, I'm going to be sliding pictures of my granddaughter for the next year. So just get, so anyway. (laughs) So if you're a six-year-old, you want to hatch him all. And if I just get a hatchim all, that'll be enough. But then the next year when you turn seven, now you want the hatchim all extreme or whatever the next thing is, right? And if I just get the hatchim all extreme, then I'll be set for the rest of my life. But you know that doesn't work. Because you've never met a 60-year-old who's lived life with disappointment and said, oh yeah, but none of that matters because at six, I got a hatchie mall. <laughs> right? We're always looking for more. Maybe it's in relationships. Now I'm single. But I'll be happier when I'm with somebody. And now I'm with somebody and I'll be, I'll be happier when I'm engaged. Now I'm engaged, I'll be happier when I'm married. Now I'm married, but we'll be happier when we have children in the house. Now we have children in the house, but now we'll be happier when we get the children out of the house. <laughs> That's just, it's just always, ne- what's next? We live in the desert. Because no matter what we achieve or accomplish or possess or pursue, it never brings lasting soul satisfaction. And we wake up with this voice in the back of our head that says, more, more, more. 
I'm on this treadmill and I can't get off. I'd like to be content. I'd like to be grateful. I'd like to be humble. I'd like to be generous. But I just can't get there. My soul feels hollow and empty and dry. And so I just keep working. I just keep busy. I just keep traveling. I just keep engaging in hobbies. I just keep watching TV. But there's a desert inside of me. God looks at us and he sees that we are dry and unsatisfied and empty and withered and broken. And so one day God sends his son, Jesus, who stands up and says, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me. We live in the desert. We're dying of thirst. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Guys, you can stop running after it. You can stop killing yourself for it. You can let go of the idea that the more and more and more um, will satisfy you. Because it won't. Because it can't. But you can come to the one who says, I can give you what your soul is longing for. It's me. The God who made you. The God who loves you. The God who died for you and rose for you. And when you come to me, it will rain in the desert and your parched soul will be quenched. We walk in darkness. But we have seen a great light. We live in a desert, but the stream of living water is here. God is here. God is here. And that's the hope of Christmas. The truth of Christmas is that there is a light in the darkness. There is a stream in the desert. And his name is Jesus. And you just have to make room for him. If you're willing to, you can step into the light. You can drink from the living water. And I'd like for us to have an opportunity to do that right now. Um, In a moment, Heidi and Jenna are going to come and sing over us. And I'd like for us to just take a few moments to let Jesus speak to us. And then we're going to come to the table. And for those of you who are visiting with us this morning, um, we do this every week. And everyone is welcome to come to the table who has put their hope in Jesus. And so it's, um, it's just kind of random. I mean, we've got four tables, two in the front, two in the back. You come when you're ready. There's no order to this. Um, we come in, in groups of three or four or five, gather around the table because we, we want to celebrate the community that, that Jesus um, died so that we could be a part of. And so we come to the table to celebrate um, the fact that his body was broken. We celebrate that with the bread and, and that his blood was shed. We celebrate that with the cup. And we celebrate the fact that because 
He died for us. We can have life. We can step into the light of the world. We can, we can step into the stream of living water and allow him to satisfy us. That's what we celebrate when we come to the table. And so um, Jenna and Heidi are going to sing over us for a few moments. And, and I just I invite you to just let God talk to you. Where's the darkness that you need to hand over to him? Where can he shine some light? Where can he um, bring quenching water to a parched spirit? And just invite him into those places. And then Jenna is going to invite us to come to the table. And when she does, we'll come and partake. So let me pray for us. Lord Jesus. I'm so grateful that that you are here and that with Christmas we there's no doubt (laughs) that you are with us Emmanuel and so we invite you this morning to come again come again into our hearts we invite you as the light of the world as the living water of the world. We invite you to speak to us now, to meet us now in the places that we need to be met. And we celebrate you this morning.